This episode of AmateurLogic.tv is brought to you by Gigaparts.com, the amateur radio online superstore. Between now and November 15th of 2013, use the promo code ALTVFREE10 at checkout and receive a free gift with your order. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. And by ICOM. Looking to get into HF? ICOM has the rigs for you. Welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 59. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And I'm Peter. And it's good to be back with you for another episode and the end of another season. Yeah, another milestone. It's been eight years so far. It doesn't really seem that long. How long does it seem to you, Peter? It seemed about five years for me, but I came in a little late. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was uh, three years before he was in with us, does No, it, it doesn't seem like it. Seems like he's always kind of... Kind of been down under there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no worries. Well, uh, I'm used to it now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we appreciate everybody uh, watching the show and telling all your friends about it. It's grown over the eight years, and it's been a lot of fun. And and we're looking forward to maybe another eight. I hope so. I'm planning on it. Yeah, at least. Well, we'll, we'll see how long it uh, how long we can keep it rolling down the road. Yeah, we've. Um, we got a lot of things coming up in the show tonight. We're going to have some more info on the contest that we've got going. You see some great prizes here. We're going to tell you a little more about them and how you can enter. Uh, also, uh, you might notice we've got on a new Amateur Logic logo here. We've changed the logo up. Yeah, nice new new style. Yeah, we had a few comments about the Comic Sans logo that we used to use and. Um, yeah, you know, it it worked, but it was time for a change. Yeah, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I like this a lot better. Yeah. And uh, also, you'll notice we're sporting new T-shirts here. Yep. Where can you get these shirts, Tommy? You can go to amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com, and we've got a store there. We've got uh, several different T-shirts and colors available, and we're actually working on getting some other products added to the store as well. Now, Peter, I believe that's a sweatshirt you have on, isn't it? It is indeed, and uh, they do deliver to Australia. And uh, I, I, I found the postage was uh, f- fairly reasonable for uh, for coming from from America. So uh, I was pretty happy at the end of the day to to order this. There's a number of different countries that they sell to, so uh, that's good. We we had to partner with Spreadshirt to do this because it had been beyond what we could do and and offer mm-hmm. internationally. But uh, we're glad to. To finally get some T-shirts available, we know a lot of people have been asking for them. So go on over and uh, get your shirt at amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com and uh, join us. You know, be the best looking ham at the next ham fest. Yes, second best looking. Second best looking. <laughs> did, you, did, did you do that uh, design of the logo, George? I think it's quite good. Uh, 
Yeah, Tommy and I kind of coordinated on it. We both kind of worked on it. Collaborative so. effort. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it is good. Yeah, we, it works we, really well. We've had some good comments on it, and it's a little less uh, Comic Sans. You know, nobody much said anything about it, but two or three guys did, and they were really adamant that <laughs> we didn't need to yeah. be using that. Yeah, it, it's, that, that font's kind of overused. Oh, a lot of people use it, so. Yeah. This, it, this is something fresh. Mm. Yeah, and we, we've got a, something special coming up in the show here tonight that we have never done before. We had a Google Plus Hangout. Uh, it was Thursday night, I believe. Yeah, it was. With a, a few friends of the show, some people who help us out, and we're going to have that a little later in the show tonight uh, to kind of celebrate, you know, being the 8th anniversary. Well, Peter, what are you going to be telling us about tonight? Well, um, I'm going to give a quick brief announcement about uh, what's been going on with uh, the NASA conference that I'm due to present at. And uh, also, I ran into a few problems in watching some videos over the Internet, and I'll show you how I went about solving that problem. Yeah, cool. What about you, Tommy? Well, I've been uh, playing around with my ID51. I've had a lot of people ask about it, uh, wanting to know more, so I'm going to show a little bit about that. Okay, and that's that D-Star Handy talk. Here, it right? is, yeah. D-Star and okay. FM. And... Um, I'm going to uh, show you a little bit about how to use a Megger. You know, you've heard me talk about it often, and we've never really shown what you can do with it. So we're going to do that tonight. Uh, but let's get on into a few emails here. We've got uh, a few people who have written us here. We've actually got a lot of people, and we just do the best we can to pick out a few in here then, and read them. We can't get them all, and we're sorry about that, but we do read them whether they make it to the show or not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every absolutely, yep. What have you got over there, Tommy? I've got one from our friend, KC3MN. He says, lovely podcast. Here's a little something you might be interested in. It's www.themagpie.com, and it's an online Raspberry Pi magazine. I checked it out, and it's really well put together. Yeah. Have I, you seen it? Yeah, I look at that every month. Mm. I've caught up with them about the third issue, I think, and they have some neat stuff on there. Well, I guess it's actually a commercial magazine now, but it's free. And uh, you'll learn a lot of stuff about the Raspberry Pi on there if you're interested in that. Yeah, it's it's excellent. Check it out. You'll like it. Yeah, Peter, what have you got? Well, I've got an email here from Doug, KC2YME. Uh, hello, Peter. Just want to say how much I enjoy the show, TV. I watch it on my Roku. Looking forward for the next one, 73s. And, uh, yep, yeah, and thanks, Doug. I'm pleased to, that you enjoy the show and that you uh, also use the Roku, as I do. Um, I've got a Roku myself. I've got one here from Donald. He says, hello, ALTV. Thanks for all the time you put into ham radio. One of the enemies of coax is water in all forms. And uh, when you put an antenna that uh, has a split in the coax where you separate the hot and the shield so you can connect to an antenna, uh, you open the dielectric to moisture, and he's saying, yes, tape uh, is good, but it unravels and does let moisture in over time. His solution is to go to the hardware store and get a one-inch PVC cap and uh, put three holes in it in sort of a Y shape and uh, feed the coax through one of the holes and uh, strip it and put the shell through another and the center conductor through the remaining hole in the cap and then he fills it up with silicone or hot glue. And he says it works great, lasts longer, and uh, use a bigger end cap for uh, larger coax. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't, uh, 
that that's a little little different than the way I was originally thinking about it. But yeah, so coming out of the top of the end cap there, you've got your coax going in the middle, and then the two leads coming out the other two, and just fill it up. So yeah, yeah. I never really thought about that. That's kind of neat. Yeah, should work good. Well, Peter, I think you are about ready to declare a war. Is that correct? Hello, everyone, and welcome once again. First up, a little bit of bad news. Uh, You've probably heard in the media about the U.S. government shutdown. If not, uh, essentially what's happened is the two major political parties in the U.S. haven't been able to reach agreement on the bills necessary to fund the wages of federal public servants. As a consequence, many, many federal public servants uh, have been put on unpaid leave until further notice. Now, this has affected NASA in a big way because uh, NASA is funded through those bills. Uh, What it's meant is that only critical uh, jobs, such as mission control, uh, have been maintained, so the astronauts are okay. However, many, many other NASA functions, including NASA TV, uh, have had to be shut down until further notice. Uh, Now, this has affected myself down here in Australia because On October the 1st, I was due to speak at an Asteroid Initiative conference uh, that was uh, to be held in Houston, Texas. Now, the first day of that conference uh, was held, and you can actually look at that on YouTube, and I recommend going and having a look at that. But the latter two days uh, in which I was due to speak, uh, they've actually had to be uh, uh, held over until a future date because there's no staff to hold the conference. That's a pretty sad state of affairs. Anyway, keep an eye on the Amatologic Facebook page, and as soon as we know uh, when uh, things are back to normal and uh, the rest of the conference will be held, uh, we'll let you know. In the meantime, I'm quite intrigued by all the the political goings-on over in the US, so I think it's time to watch some of The Daily Show. All right, my hyperlink to The Daily Show is over here. What? The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Sorry, but this video is unavailable from your location. But hey, at least you have kangaroos and boomerangs, plus you can still watch clips from The Daily Show with Jon Stewart at thecomedychannel.com.au. This is a disgrace. This is geo-blocking. Geo-blocking, you ask? What's, what's all that about? Well, Comedy Central uh, is able to tell from my IP address where I'm located in the world, which is both a privacy worry and also um, a bit of a concern because they're blocking countries like Australia from watching this fine content. It's an absolute disgrace. It's exactly like the Berlin Wall all over again. So I would just say to John Stewart, if you're watching this program, Mr Stewart, tear down this wall. Oh well. At least I can watch some Colby Nation. So click on the link. And oh no, sorry, but this video is unavailable from your location. It's one of the detriments of living under a monarchy. But in case you can't give up your Vegemite and move to America, watch clips from the Colby Report at thecomedychannel.com.au. Oh dear. You know this means war, don't you? It's time to get the Empire back together again. Yes, this means war. 
I have myself full confidence that we shall prove ourselves once more able to access our online content, to ride out the storm of war and to outlive the menace of geo-blocking, if necessary for years, if necessary alone. That is the resolve of Her Majesty's Government and every man of them. That is the will of Parliament and the nation, the British Empire and the Australian Commonwealth, linked together in their cause and in their need, will fight to the death for our common law right to freely watch TV programs paid for by Americans. We shall fight on the Daily Show website and on the Colbert Report website. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength on the internet. We shall defend our common law rights, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on Comedy Central. We shall fight on Fox News. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills near Tacoma. We shall never surrender. Okay, let's win this war. Over here, I've got a website, www.anchorfree.com, and it's got some software called Hotspot Shield, which is available in a free version with ads or a uh, paid version without ads. And it's a VPN service. It'll make your uh, IP address look like it's in another country. So uh, let me give you a demonstration. What I'll do is go down here to the right where I've already installed the software to the red shield and I press connect and he pressed all I'm now protected I'm now in the United States of America and hey things just feel a little bit different now I wonder what happens if I go over here and I go to the Daily Show website what's going to happen for girls access to education worldwide. Well, there you go. Access to the Daily Show from Australia, or should I say from the virtual United States of America. Hey, it's so good being an American. Well, okay, uh, I'm now starting to get a bit of a hankering for some of that Texas tea, some of that black gold, that Vegemite. So I go back down here to my green shield and I pause my protection. And lo and behold, I'm back to being an Australian again. And doesn't that feel good? Well, it's with great pleasure that I can now announce that the war against IP terror has been won and the wall has fallen. And that's another great victory for the Allies, uh, for empire and for country. Now, in closing, a word of warning. The legal situation around VPNs and IP addresses probably varies from country to country to country and in many cases is probably unclear anyway so all we can do is say to you we don't know whether this is legal or not in your particular situation uh, you'll just have to go get your own independent legal advice uh, to sort out whether you are legally allowed to access uh, various services using a different IP address or a VPN but uh, we've shown you at least that it is technologically possible to do. And it just illustrates just how silly these uh, uh, geo-blocking mechanisms are because people are just going to go around them at the end of the day. Boy, Peter, you uh, you look like you were kind of on a tear there. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm just having a bit of fun there, uh, George. But uh, look, uh, yeah, it, um, th- this is the, the these are the problems we Australians have to deal with every day, and uh, uh, it just shows though that there are ways around uh, these uh, geo blocking mechanisms. Yeah, I, I suspect. Um it was probably whoever syndicates the content in your country is the one who's responsible for it being blocked. But yep, yeah, more than likely. Oh. Well, it's on our local cable TV provider, so uh, I suspect they're responsible. Yeah, more, yeah, that sounds sounds feasible. Yeah. Also, on there, you had mentioned about uh, that the the ones that were laid off were not going to get paid, but they actually came back later and said that they are getting paid. Yeah, once every yeah I've since heard that. Yeah, you're quite yeah. correct. ICOM has pushed the envelope of Mobile HF once again with the IC7100. The IC7100 features touchscreen controls, giving you a more intuitive portal into the IC7100's feature settings and menus. The uniquely designed control head provides a comfortable viewing angle making it easy to use for both mobile and base station operation. No optional filters or add-ons are needed. Everything is included. The IC7100's 32-bit floating-point DSP, powered by dual DSP chips, gives you full digital IF stage filter controls on all bands, HF through 70 centimeters. The IC7100 features built-in voice recording and playback functions as well as an SD card slot for voice storage and radio cloning, a RIDI decoder, and high-frequency stabilization. It doesn't stop there. D-Star is also built in, providing DV mode operation on all bands, including HF. Stay ahead of the curve with the uncompromising IC7100 from ICOM. Gigaparts is the largest independent amateur radio dealer in the nation. Everything you need for ham radio, including books, DVDs, antennas, rope, coax, and tuners. Gigaparts has it all and is open Monday through Saturday. Call us toll-free at 866-535-4442, and our friendly staff will be happy to help you find the right products for nearly any project and budget. Online shopping made easy with real-time pricing and availability and free shipping on most orders. Go to gigaparts.com and enter to win a free radio. Have a question? Click on live chat for a quick answer. Low prices? Huge selection. America's favorite ham radio store is Gigaparts. Now through November 15th, use the offer code ALTVFREE10 at checkout and you'll receive a free gift with your order from Gigaparts. We're proud to have Gigaparts sponsoring the program here. As a matter of fact, we're going to have a guy from Gigaparts on here a little later. That oh yeah, yeah, old Carl, old Carl. <laughs> He's a character. Well, you've heard me mention about a mega a lot of times. Let's just take a look at what I was talking about. If you've been watching the show for any length of time, you've probably heard me mention on more than one occasion, usually when I was headed to a ham fest, that I had a mega on my shopping list. Today we're going to look at what a Megger is and why I wanted one. The ones I'd used in the past looked more like this with a crank on it that generated a voltage. However, today they're available in a lot of different varieties 
Uh, some of them may be called insulation breakdown testers. When you've got an old piece of coax and you're not sure of the condition of it, if it had possibly had water in it before or something like that, you need a good way to test it out. You can check it with an ohm meter, or you can check it by running RF down it, but sometimes you might miss a potential problem with breakdown resistance in the cable. Well, that's where a megger comes in handy. It sends a real high voltage down the cable and measures for high resistances in the megohm ranges. Now, a regular ohm meter might have a megohm scale on it, but that doesn't mean it's going to show the resistance that might be present from a water leak or some other imperfection in the cable. That's where the megohm meter comes in handy. Since it's sending a high voltage down there, it's much easier for it to break down and conduct. So we'll know more about the cable that way. Let's just take a look at a RG8 patch cable I have sitting here. Now to use the megger, you want the cable open on both ends. You don't want anything hooked to it. And... We'll connect here to one end, and you need to be careful because I'm going to send a high voltage down here, so you don't want anything shorted there at the other end, and you want to keep your hands away from what you're testing because you could get a really nasty shock there. So let's just shoot a thousand volts down this cable and see if there's any breakdown resistance in it. Now that cable looks perfect. No problems whatsoever. It's infinite resistance. Let's check a shorter piece now. Also, it went to overload too, so that means that it can't read any resistance there. Now you'll notice when I let off the button here and the meter scale falls down, you'll see the voltage dropping. This just tells us that the voltage has dropped and now it's safe for us to handle the leads. This may be different on different magmeters, so you want to be careful with that. Now, we're going to look for an imperfection here. I don't have a piece of cable currently that I know is bad, so we're just going to make our own. We'll take this piece of RG58, and I'm just going to take a tack and put a little hole through the insulation here. And now, we'll sit that in a cup of water, and let that sit there for a minute or so, and then we'll check the breakdown resistance. Okay, that's been sitting here a couple of minutes. Now, let's do a measurement. We'll go back up and shoot a thousand volts down it here. Okay, we're reading resistance now. That's telling us that this cable has a problem. So you can see that a, a mega is reading the problem there. Now let's look at it with a standard ohm meter. We're on the 20 mega ohm scales here. We're not reading anything at all. That's because this meter's not sending enough voltage down there into the cable to actually break down. So this is where a megohm meter would really come in handy. If you're going to a ham fest and shopping for old cable, using a megohm meter here would be a great way to determine if that cable had some previous damage. A megohm meter may be used for several different purposes for checking insulation resistance and motor windings, uh, house wiring. Any insulation is going to break down with time. So this instrument has a lot of uses. Now you should do a little research before you go to using it. There's time averaging that uh, a lot of tests require where you will run the megometer for one minute and then a 10-minute trial period and do some averaging to determine what is common. On a longer piece of wire, you might actually read some resistance. So it's good to know the correct procedures 
to how to calculate that and see if the cable is good. In my case here with these two short pieces, uh, there was no resistance for a good piece of cable. So there you go, what a megometer is and how I'm going to use it. Well, George, I've never heard of that before, but it sounds like quite a useful device. It is. And, you know, as I mentioned, the first one I ever used had a, a hand crank on it where it generated a voltage that way. But now, that, as you saw at the beginning of that segment, there's a lot of different ones out there. A hand crank. How long ago was that? Back uh, when you had telephones like that? Um, this one that I used probably was a World War II version. No, I was not in World War II, but <laughs> my father was. Oh, I've got an email here from Elliot. I think we've got an email from Elliot before. He uh, He's a frequent viewer. <clears throat> it says, uh, I have to say you guys are addictive like candy. I built some <laughs> of your projects, and last year, by your recommendations... Sometime back, I bought a Yesu FT-857. Then I got into D-Star. <laughs> we, seem, we seem expensive. Uh, and he bought an IC-92AD and an IC-51AD. Now he has one for each hand. He, he's, he's commenting back about when I said you need one for each hand. And, of course, the DVAP and the Raspberry Pi. Now it's a Roku box, so I can watch you guys through a different portal. On the other hand, being a ham... An active ham for over 40 years, and in the broadcast business, I do find your program helpful. You've reactivated my mind and brought back a lot of things I had long ago forgot. Keep up the good work. I enjoy all of your shows and have a nice CD library of your shows going back to episode one with George's different hairstyle. Love your shows. Elliot, K1MF. I appreciate that, Elliot. Uh, I guess we cost you guys a lot of money, too, but... I hope you're enjoying the gear because I know I've, I've been enjoying all mine, and we appreciate you watching. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yes, it, it is addictive. That's the reason we're only allowed to bring you a limited number of episodes per year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Peter, who are you hearing from down there next? Well, I've got uh, an email here from Richard, uh, G7RVH, in the old country, Norfolk, England. He's a long-term viewer of AmateurLogic.tv, and he just loves all the different aspects of amateur radio that we deal with in each show. Uh, but he mentions uh, a uh, Raspberry Pi project for APRS, which runs using an APRS sound card TNC, which is Linux-based, uh, as is the APRS IS software that ties it all together. And he gives a, a link, which I'm sure you'll, you'll put up uh, there, George. And, uh, yeah, I had a quick look at the, uh, the website. The idea of a Raspberry Pi-based TNC is, is a really good one. And, uh, is, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I love packet radio, and I always find that when I go to packet radio bulletin boards, the, uh, the content there is always quite interesting. Well, I've got one here. It's from uh, Bill, KN8DMK. And he says, hi, George, just want to let you know that I really enjoy the show. Uh, Tommy, Peter, and you are great, and thanks for the tip on the Panavice. I was able to snag one last minute. It was the last one, too, at Radio Shack in Lancaster, Ohio. He's been living those stupid things for years, but didn't want to spend the money. You know, there might be a few stores out there that still have them. You'll just have to check around, but, oh, man, I bet. We've helped them sell at least 100 of those things. I've heard from uh -huh. just all kinds of people. He says he really enjoyed the VOA show. It was super and brought back memories of when he was a kid with a homebrew uh, Regeni receiver in uh, Claremont County, Ohio. 
He said he always had VOA Bethany in his earphones no matter where he tuned. <laughs> <laughs> and he got his ticket when he was 13 in 1961. He loves a hobby, and he says that uh, we just enhance it. Well, thanks, Bill. You, you know, uh, it's good to hear that you're getting some things out of the show, like great deals on Panavices and, and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think you bought your first one ever, didn't you, Tommy? I did. I did. Uh, I, there were two actually there. I, I kind of wish I'd have bought the second one. Yeah. But uh, it's been great. Yeah. And, and just look around. There might still be out there. And it's kind of a, a weird, I don't know if it's coincidence or what you would call it, but, um, you know, those that's a closeout sale. They're getting rid of those things because they were almost 50 bucks and, and you know, $19 or $15 or, or whatever price you find them at is an excellent deal. That's less than Radio Shack probably paid for these. Oh, yeah. I, I take the Nuts and Volts magazine, and I was looking at the most recent issue, and there was an ad in there in the corner of one of the pages for Radio Shack selling Panavices. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, They probably put that ad together quite a while back. Must have. Well, let's take a look now at uh, a great new antenna analyzer from MFJ. Take RF testing to the next level with the new MFJ 225HF-VHF two-port graphic antenna analyzer. All the basic analyzer functions you expect, plus a host of advanced features like built-in LCD graphics, two-port VNA measurement, PC interface with IG Mini VNA freeware, and precise direct digital synthesis. It's two analyzers in one. Out in the field, the MFJ-225 is a compact, self-contained handheld analyzer. On the bench, it's a full-fledged two-port S21 desktop machine when teamed up with your PC. Using powerful IG Mini VNA freeware, you can run detailed data analysis and then print out stunning color graphic plots to document your work. You get the big picture every time with MFJ-225's built-in backlighted 3-inch LCD graphic display. Make fine circuit adjustments using full-screen, easy-to-view SWR bar graph. Capture vivid swept displays for SWR, impedance, return loss, phase angle, and more. Operation is simple. Adjust the center frequency, tuning step, and sweep width instantly while viewing your plot, literally shaping it before your eyes. The MFJ-225 tunes continuously from 1.5 to 179.9 megahertz with rock solid stability and no gaps. The VFO is a state-of-the-art programmable direct digital synthesis generator with pinpoint 1 kilohertz frequency resolution. DDS control means no mechanical band switches or tuning elements, just a reliable velvet smooth optical encoder to glide across the spectrum. The MFJ-225's DDS stimulus generator also gives you a leveled minus 5 dBm signal source for driving mixers, low-power amplifiers, filters, networks, diplexers, and antennas on the test range. The MFJ-225 simultaneously compiles and displays all important parameters you need on a single screen, giving you a wider range of results at a glance. Find out what you've been missing. Visit MFJEnterprises.com or your favorite ham radio dealer today. Man, I love the other analyzer, but uh, that's really cool. I, I love the graph on there. I'd like actually like to use it on my antenna at home and check it out. Yeah, you just get a full picture of it all at once there. Yeah, uh, that's, that's cool stuff. It does a sweeping for you. So, uh, yeah, I've I've been using it a little. I haven't used it as much as I want to yet, but, uh, boy, it sure is going to make uh, antenna measurements a lot simpler. Yeah, you need to come by the house before you have to send it back. Yeah, well, I do, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> Well, tell me, what are you going to tell us about this month? 
Well, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I've had several people ask about the ID-51, so I'm going to go into a little bit of depth about that. All right. You guys know we're not going to get a new piece of gear around here and not at least tell you a little bit about it. I recently got my ID-51A, and uh, you've probably seen it on a couple of the previous segments that I've done. It's uh, kind of become my go-to radio for everything. I've got quite a collection of handy talkies. Being on the go a lot, they kind of fit my lifestyle. I've got... Uh, so, you know, several of them. Three of them are D-Star capable. So I've got the ID-31, the ID-51, and the IC-92. Let's take a look at the ID-51 in a little more detail. It's a little bit different than the ID-31. On the ID-31, the power button's on the front. This one has a dedicated button on the side here, a little round one. So we'll hit that, and let's start her up. Um, I've already gone in and set this one up with my call sign. So when you get your radio, you'll have to go in and customize it for yourself and put your call sign in there and everything. This radio has so many features, it's going to be almost impossible to cover every single one of them in the amount of time we have. But let's take a look at the most used ones, and that should get you well on your way to using it. So let's First of all, let's take a look at the display. Right now, we've got two bands showing. I remember me telling you this is a dual watch radio, so we can hear... My UHF simplex frequency, and we can also hear the Brandon D-Star repeater, which are the ones that I have programmed at the moment, or actually selected at the moment. On the screen, we've got the battery indicator. We've got the GPS indicator. I've got the SD card indicator because there's a micro SD card in here. We've got the current time as well as the memory channel. The primary band is the one that's larger. So if we tap this main button right here, it's going to toggle us between this one and the subband here. So now, now the bottom one is the one that's the primary one, and the UHF simplex is the sub. When we hit the push to talk, the primary one is the one that's going to go out on the air. For this demonstration, let's go into single band mode, and it'll make the display larger and a little bit easier for you to see. To do that, we'll just hold down this, this main button right here, and you'll see it changes to whatever one was the primary. So right now it's got my UHF simplex. In, in addition to the things that were on the screen, when we're in this mode, we've got the date and the day of the week at the bottom of the screen as well. And we're, we're on channel 001. To change channels, there's a knob on the top of the radio, and we'll just rotate it, and it'll scan through the channels that I have programmed into the radio. I use the ICOM software to program mine. It comes with the radio, and it seems to work pretty well. Up here at the top of the screen, we've got mode... This one is uh, the 345 repeater. Uh, there's the frequency, and it's an FM mode. It's not a D-Star repeater. But you can actually just program a D-Star repeater straight in here. On the side, we've got a VFO button, and we've got the memory button or call channel button. So if we go into VFO mode, it's just like any other. So we can change the frequencies, go about our business, and manually put everything we want into here. We can go back here and hit the memory button on the side and put this back into memory mode, which is the one I like to operate in. We've got a quick button on the bottom, and if we hit it, it gives us uh, bank select, duplex, digital squelch, tone select, skip, DTMF transmit, voice transmit, brings up GPS information, a lot of cool stuff in there. Position, priority, uh, weather alerts, band scope, audio recorder man this thing's got so many features in it 
But uh, it's a great menu. It's got a lot of good stuff, and, and it's a quick way to get to the things that you use most often. To get out of it, you can hit it again, or you can hit the left side of the rocker switch here. Speaking of the rocker switch, this thing is probably your most used tool on here. It's got this uh, thing in the middle. It looks like a joystick, but it's actually more akin to an inner button. So let's talk about uh, DR mode. Let's go bring up the repeater list and find the one that's closest to us. So we'll go down. We use the rocker switch and we'll go down here to from, which is always the repeater that you're transmitting or going out from. So let's hit the blue button. It brings up the menu. We've got repeater list, near repeater, and the transmit history. So we can look at any that we used recently. So we're going to do near repeater here. Find the one that's closest to us. So it's using the GPS coordinates from the GPS built in and matching up the lists that are in the radio that, that are updatable. And it'll bring up the repeaters that are closest by. So we've got two in Brandon. We've got uh, Module B, Module C, which is a UHF and VHF. So let's go back to one. Uh, we'll just pick uh, Brandon, and I'll pick uh, the B, the UHF repeater. We hit the little blue button, it selects it, and it shows us our information that we're on right here. K5RKN uh, Module B. And we, up at the top, we've still got Use Repeater. So if we hit the push to talk, we're going to actually go out to the repeater now. If you want to use this to link up to a reflector or whatever, then you can make sure you're on the 2, which is what we're trying to go to. And we're going to go hit 2 and hit the blue button. It's going to bring up a list. And you've got a lot of stuff in here. Your most common used one is going to be the Your Call Sign list. So let's go in there. And you can see we've got Use Repeater. The commands appear down at the bottom, CQ, 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 which is what we're going to use to talk. But you can unleak a repeater. It's got a U command. We've got repeater status, which sends an I. We've got an echo test, which sends an E. We've got link to reflector 1A. For a quick way to get down through here, you can hold down the rocker switch and go, or you can also use this knob and scroll down through. So if we wanted to link to 1Charlie, we just go right here. Hit the blue button, puts the command up here, link to reflector 1 Charlie, and it displays the command that's going to send. If we hit enter, we're going to link the Brandon repeater to the reflector. You can see I've got my DVAP running back here and it's connected. We can use the same methodology and use my DVAP to connect the same way we do the repeater. Let's go back down to the bottom here. We'll hit the blue button. We'll go to repeater list this time. And we'll find Simplex, which is group 20. And uh, it comes from ICOM with a Simplex group in there. So you'll have to make sure your Simplex channel is in there or your DVAP channel. Let's go into Simplex. And you can see I've got DVAP at the top. We'll hit it again. We've still got the link to one Charlie command in the top. And we'll hit the button. And we're linked to one Charlie. To unlink it, we'll basically do the same thing. We'll go up here to two. We'll hit the blue button. We'll go to your call sign. And we'll go up and find that unlink command that we found. Unlink repeater. And we're ready. So let's find an opening.
and remote system unlinked, so we're unlinked from it. Just like you would do any repeater. When you're in this mode, any messages that come from the system over the air will be displayed here on the bottom. Let's look at some of the other functions here. We've got some other buttons over here. We've got a mode slash scan button, and we're back in VFO mode. To change your mode, if you want to talk to someone on digital voice, maybe in simplex or something, just tap that, and it'll change you to FM narrow. Tap it again, and we're in DV. Tap it again, back to regular FM. If you hold that button down, it brings up a scan mode, and it'll tell you, ask you which ones you want to scan. All, band, the... Uh, the hand bands, frequency range. So we'll just say all. Hit the little blue selector again. That's your magic button everything. And you'll see it start scanning. So you can locate other things to listen to or whatever when you're away. When you're in VFO mode, you've got another button over here that'll allow you to change the channel in different increments. So right now we're changing down here in the kilohertz. If you tap that button one time, you can change in the megahertz. If you change it again, you can go one more digit up into the tens megahertz. One of the things people say about the radio is there's no DTMF pad. And sure enough, it's not. But it hasn't really been a problem for me. ICOM's given us a way to go into the menu settings here. Hit menu. There's DTMF right there. Let's turn that down. And we've got DTMF memories. You can go into there and fill out what you want to send. So I've got... Uh, D01 and D99 and pick the one you want to use let's say I just want to use D01 hit the blue selector and that's the one that's active we'll go back to menu let's go back into the handband so I'm just going to pick uh, this M button which just brings me back into memory channels and I'm going to use my UHF channel that I've got so how do we send those DTMF commands on the side of the radio Right above the power button is the squelch button. If you hold that button down, it'll, it'll open the squelch, and you can hear the noise. But you can also hold the push to talk. Let's ID, so we'll be legal in 5 zeno And let's tap that squelch button. And it sends the DTMF commands for you. That button's pretty important also. You can use it to adjust the squelch. So if you hold that button down, and turn the knob at the top, you can see the squelch levels here. On the other side of the radio, we've got a few things as well. We've got a place for the speaker mic. We've got the charging jack right here and a data jack in case you want to do something like DRATS with it. Speaking of the, uh, the charging jack, this radio charges in about three hours. One thing about the memory button here is if you toggle it, you'll hit your call channels, toggle it again, and you're going to hit the weather channels. Uh, this one's on weather 02. And if you scroll through them, you can find the NOAA weather radio frequency. That's for your area. I hope you found it interesting about the ID51. It's a great radio, man. I love this thing. I carry it with me literally all the time. Um, it goes with me to work. It goes with me when I go out of town. It's nice and small and light. It's just really great all-around radio. Pretty much all the features that I wanted. Tommy, that's got to be the best handy talkie ever. Oh, yeah, no doubt, man. Uh, I, I, I love that thing. I take it everywhere. I want one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. And, and the, the near repeater lookup, that's the thing that 
Oh yeah, that's the, that's the secret sauce mm. right there. That kind of makes the whole thing come together. It really does. Well, Peter, have you got another email there? Yeah, I've got one final email here from uh, Tony VK7AX, and uh, you've probably seen, I think, Tony on the uh, what's it, the digital ATV QSO party that we held uh, a week or, two, or a few weeks ago. And uh, yes, look, he's just uh, writing to uh, us to let us know uh, about his um, uh, coverage. He, he uh, down in Tasmania, he and his colleagues uh, play through their local digital ATV repeater uh, episodes of uh, Amatologic, and uh, they've now actually added a uh, uh, the ability for people to Skype in. And so, um, yeah, the it's uh, uh, and also they've uh, got their VK7 RTV uh, stream is actually streaming through the BATC website. So, uh, yeah, a lot going on in the, uh, the area, uh, in the digital ATV uh, area down in uh, Tasmania, and uh, it's great uh, to, uh, to see that uh, they're uh, carrying Amatologic. Oh, Thanks, cool. uh, Tony. Yeah, that, that's awesome. always cool to hear that we're on uh, uh, real amateur television somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What about those Tasmanian devils, Peter? Are those things as mean as they look? Uh, I can't say I've ever actually seen one myself. I think they're probably a little bit more placid and uh, a little bit uh, slower, <laughs> considerably slower than. Oh, they uh, don't spin around version. like that, huh? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you ever, if something ever happens to your cat, maybe you should get one of those instead next time. Uh, I think I'll pass on that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got one here from uh, KA3DOW, and he says. Uh, He's in the process of building a small homebrew UPS system to run his home network and a VOIP system. Then he ran across a desulfurator circuit uh, that's supposed to help extend the life of lead-acid batteries. And uh, he says he gets the feeling that that we might know something about these. Uh, And he wants to know, do they really work? And I've heard of them, but... uh, I've never used one myself. I think, yeah, I think they probably work. Anyway, he built a nice-looking one here. Um, he built it uh, using the uh, LaserJet toner transfer method. He replaced the 555 timer circuit that was in there with a uh, Atmel AT Tiny microcontroller to generate the 1 kilohertz uh, 50 microsecond pulse, and that drives an in-channel MOSFET transistor. Well, I have one from Bill, WA7KMF. He says, Hi, Tommy. I was reading the mail and catching up on AOTV, and I saw your DVAP tool and Raspberry Pi project. I had mine working, but not with Wi-Fi or headless. Thanks to you, I have it all working. DVAP Pi is my favorite. Thanks for your help. Keep up the good work, and say hello to your co-stars, George and Peter, and and the cat, too. Right, Bill? Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, I appreciate it. Uh, I I like it myself. I use mine pretty much every day, and uh, I'm glad you got some use out of it. I've had a lot of good comments on that one. Yeah, we we have heard a lot about that. That was a great project, Tommy. We'll have to give you some kudos on that. Right, I'll pat, pat myself mm-hmm. on the back, pull okay. my earbud out. <laughs> well, you know, ICOM's got a lot of great HF radios and, and VHF, UHF mobile radios and all. And a lot of people think of them as a premium brand of radio, which they are. Oh, yeah. But they also have some uh, very affordable entry-level radios. 
Just got your technician license and want to get on 10 meters? Have you upgraded to general and want to expand your band experiences? Maybe you're just on a budget and want an HF radio. ICOM has the rig for you. Check out ICOM's IC718, a great utility radio. It's a practical option for casual HF operating. It's sturdy and compact with comfortable knobs and buttons, a great layout and easy-to-follow menus. It's perfect for the newly licensed ham. It's got superior basic performance and DSP is included. Want big rig features in a small package? Try the IC7200. It's a small footprint and rugged. It even has a weather-resistant front panel. It features ICOM signature IFDSP technology, selectable filter width and shape, excellent receiver performance, and it's ideal for portable or emergency situations. Look to the celebrated IC7000 for the ultimate multiband mobile, portable, or base station rig. It's a multi-mode HF, VHF, UHF transceiver. It's compact with a colorful, crisp display and feature-rich interface. No need to buy add-on filters. Filtering is built in using DSP technology. It's compatible with many optional ICOM accessories for just about any installation. And it's got incredible third-party product support. For the latest multiband mobile, check out the IC7100 and take your hobby with you. Smart design with an easy-to-read touchscreen, a slanted control head with a built-in speaker. It's got 32-bit IFDSP controlled digital features. ICOM Smart Menu System gives you context and mode menu items. And it's D-Star Ready with a great near-repeater function. It's got a built-in SD card slot for voice and log storage. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM's entry-level HF radios. You know, Tommy, when Ray was here for his last visit, I cornered him one night, and he showed me how to use my IC7700 over there. Oh, yeah? You know, that's that's good to kind of have an in with those guys, and, and you can bring them right on site and get some training. <laughs> <laughs> Although it does come with a very good book. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But uh, we made a video while we were doing it, and you can go to icomamerica.com slash amateur, and you'll see the IC7700 there and, and the many features that it has and why it's such a great radio. But even if you're not looking at the 7700, you may want to go look at this because there's a lot of good information on just HF radios in general and, and some of the things that contesters do and just different things I didn't know about. So, oh, yeah. Uh, well worth taking a look at. Cool. Well, we... Uh, did something different here Thursday night we were talking about a little earlier. Uh, we hoped that you would be with us, Peter, but uh, you weren't able to make it due to uh, it being in the middle of the day and uh, your government is not shut down. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. <laughs> unfortunately or fortunately? Uh, no, un- unfortunately. I-, I could have had a day off. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a few friends together of the show here, and we couldn't get all the friends together because uh, Google Plus won't take that many. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, we got three guys together here, and uh, you have heard us talk about them before if you haven't seen them before. And we had a nice little eighth anniversary hangout. We got three of our uh, favorites here, guys who kind of help us out on the show from time to time, and, and some of them all the time. Let's say hello to Dan first. Hi, Dan. Good evening. It's good to have you with us tonight. Uh, you're our official Amateurologic Wiki Master. Is that a title, Tommy? It is now. Okay. What's things like up in Wisconsin with you right now? 
No, we're keeping busier than a one-armed paper hanger, and uh, uh, we're getting the wiki off for you, and uh, also for uh, Ham Nation. Um, but uh, keeping busy, and it's actually a nice warm day today, 78 degrees. Hi, guys. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, Carl Jordan from uh, Gigaparts, uh, one of the sponsors of the show here, and we run into Carl every now and then at a ham fest or an open house or something, and I always have a good time. Oh, yeah. What's it been like over in Huntsville, Carl? Uh, it has uh, still been hot, but it's cooling off, and that's very exciting. Yeah, same here. And let's let's go north this time, Tommy. Yeah, up to the Great White North. The Great White North, yeah. yeah. The Great White North. Not quite yet, but uh, we're enjoying some of this nice weather, too. And um, I think we, uh, we hit 20 degrees Celsius, which is about 70 Fahrenheit. And uh, it's getting pretty cool at night, though. It's getting down to around 5, which is around 40-ish. Fahrenheit, uh, so we're going to get into our uh, five uh, five months of winter, so it's not going to be that long. Oh, wow. Yeah, and Mike is the guy, you've seen the pictures that we show on here every now and then, the Photoshops. Google Plus group. Yeah, Mike's the one who creates all those for us, and we never know what's coming because he, he doesn't give us a heads up. But after tonight, we'll have some good B-roll with him to, to yeah. play with. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> expect it when you least expect it, Mike. So we don't have any particular plan here. It's the eighth anniversary of the show, and we just wanted to get together with a few friends and and just uh, chat a little bit and uh, uh, see what everybody's been up to and uh, kind of talk a little bit about the show. I guess we'll start with Dan. Dan, you've you've been with us a while. We've uh, we've known each other. Oh, I don't know how long now. Two or three years at least, probably. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I just want to ask you, what's your favorite part or your most memorable amateur logic moment? There is numerous <laughs> uh, memorable parts of amateur logic. Uh, uh, we'll never forget the torch situation. I knew that one was uh, coming. Yeah, that's a, that's an all-time <laughs> high there. Yeah, that's a that's an all-time high, uh, and apparently. Uh, <laughs> It, it, seem, it seems to be reoccurring in several different issues. So they're, they're always funny, you know. You just can't handle a torch, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. on the side note, when the Olympics come next time and they're running with the torch, we need to come up with something for that. We do. Using we're Jim's really torch. Yeah. 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 Uh, get, get Jim with the torch, you know, and <laughs> see how quick he can light it up. <laughs> that ought to be fun. Uh, well, let's move on over to Mike. Mike, what's um, what's your most memorable amateur logic moment, or or can you remember any right now? <laughs> they like they run in together. They're all great, uh, fantastic. Uh, but one one thing, I there's a lot of things stick out in my mind, and uh, it's unbelievable what you guys have done over the last uh, eight years now, and. Uh, one thing that I've noticed is the, uh, the the production value of the show is just absolutely first class. Um, you know, it started out as something fairly casual, you and Tommy and and Jimmy and, and Peter, a um, bunch of guys just getting together and playing with technology and that sort of thing. And 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 now it's 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 a first class show. A um, couple of things, uh, Tommy, your your DVAP pie was was amazing and. Uh, Another thing that sticks out in my mind is the uh, the, the Voice of America uh, special presentation. That thing was amazing. Uh, really enjoyed that. 
That was a lot of fun to put together there. Yeah, that was a fun place to visit. If you ever get down there, you really ought to go see it in person as well. Yeah, and and there's other VOA sites. Uh, I think uh, Greenville, South Carolina, but I don't know if that one's open where you could get a, a public tour. Certainly not now with the government shutdown. But yeah, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, that that was a great time there. Uh, hold it just a second, guys. Tommy, I I believe I owed you a buck here. Let's uh, <laughs> keep them coming. I'm surprised you could get that out of the wallet. Yeah, yeah, it it came out. It didn't didn't get stuck in there. It stops the moss from flying around too. They they get stuck in there just like flypaper. <laughs> nice Canadian handiwork there, Mike. Let's move on over to Carl now. And uh, Carl, I know you've been a fan of the show for a while. We first met oh, several years ago at one of the MFJ open houses. But you told me you'd been watching the show for a while then, and I don't know, what's um, what's your most memorable moment? Well, actually, I completely agree with Mike. I, I really like some of the newer stuff that you guys have been doing, like uh, the Voice of America. Um, I really like the Raspberry Pi stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see the show go in that direction, and I, I mainly wanted to say I like how much you guys have loosened up. We're pretty loose on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not as loose as we were on the seventh anniversary because we haven't yeah. pulled out the wine. No wine. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we've been having a good time. You know, it, it surprises me, Tommy. It, it, I guess things have changed because for years there, the cantina would have been the only thing that ever came up. Yeah. And uh, nobody even mentioned it. I guess we've moved on to... to um, yeah, bigger and better. Bigger, yeah. Nobody needs a cantina anymore because everybody's got a hot spot in their pocket. True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that that was big news back in the day. Um, but, yeah, we've really been enjoying it and all the support we get from everybody. And, you know, we just kind of make this up as we go along. And uh, we might, Tommy and I talk almost every day, but we don't really talk that much to Peter. Um, maybe once or twice a month. So, uh, yeah. you know, we really never know what he's into. I hoped he was going to make it to the uh to the hangout tonight but yeah I haven't heard from him yeah he's uh i guess he's at work it's probably midday over there or something yeah. now i was going to ask you mike while we have you on here how do you come up with those ideas for the photoshop pictures there's got to be some inspiration coming from somewhere um you know it, it started out as a joke and um <laughs> and i look back at some of the some of the comments and some of the plus ones that uh, some of the guys have, have, have commented and posted on the uh on on the ones that I've doctored on the on the photos that I've doctored and they get they get more response than the technical stuff that I put up there so <laughs> I'm not sure if this is turning into a, a comedy show or a, or a tech a tech show so anyway uh, I, I I think I've mentioned this to you before George um, it started out as a joke I I post obviously uh, you know, technical uh, ham-related uh, stuff on there that what I think might be of interest to some of the other hams. But uh, uh, just to keep the flow going, I'll I'll throw one of those every once in a while just to keep uh, keep people interested and that sort of thing. And um, I I don't really have a. It's just whatever pops into my head. I think about old '70s TV shows <laughs> and. Uh, um, one in, in particular, uh, that, that Dukes of Hazard. there, I had a lot of fun with that one. Yeah, yeah that was a good one. Dukes the Starsky and Hutch one yeah. was good. Yeah. Actually, good. they're all really good. Uh, Mike, how long does it take you to do one of those? 
It, it doesn't take long at all. In fact, uh, when I started, um, I was kind of learning the various tools uh, for, for editing and touching up uh, photos and uh, I do it. I do it doing other things at the same time. If there's uh, you know, one, the one, the one I did of, uh, of with the beards, I, I did that while I was watching Duck Dynasty, and uh, so it's 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 kind of fun. Um, it doesn't take much concentration, and it it does take some may take more time than others, depending on what material I'm working with. Um, depending on what what stills I'm able to steal <laughs> off the Amateur Logic uh, podcasts. <laughs> Um, but no, it doesn't really take that long at all. I think maybe I'm going to say the longest one, and I can't even remember which one it would have been, but uh, maybe an hour and a half would have been the longest one. Wow, maybe he needs to be doing our editing time. Yeah, no kidding. The the Duck Dynasty one was classic. Yeah. I, I, that's actually my favorite one. And if I had a really high quality large image of that, I would probably get a poster made of it. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, you said you like the Raspberry Pi stuff. Have you got one? Uh, yes, uh, although mine is uh, disassembled at the moment. Had uh, I had originally planned to use one uh, to program uh, GPS and servos on a push lawnmower, so oh. that I could program a lawnmower <laughs> to mow my yard. <laughs> that sounds like that'd be a very popular project. Yeah. What kind of insurance would you need to operate that? <laughs> <laughs> Do you do anything with the Arduino, Carl? Uh, no, not much. I haven't had time to play with it yet. But I, um, we have them at Gigaparts. We're, we are also a, a computer store. Um, and a couple of my coworkers had come up with some interesting things that I don't think they've had time to try either. Um, but it, it's very exciting, uh, all of this technology and very, very cheap. What about you, Dan? Have you, have you done any microcontroller or uh, Raspberry Pi or anything like that? Or are you tired of computers when you get home? Actually, I have a Raspberry Pi uh, in my vehicle. It's hooked up with a GPS module and uh, a uh, Surface tablet um, so that I'm down to two laptops in the uh, truck rather than three. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, we appreciate what each of you do for the show. And, uh, you know, we couldn't do it without you and everyone else who pitches in. And, uh, boy, we're looking forward to another eight years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So are we. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. A lot of fun. All right. Thanks. It even parts my hair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 7-3, seven, three, guys. 7-3. Seven, 7-3. Three. Seven, three. You guys uh, look like you had a great time. Uh, my apologies that I couldn't be there. I, I had work commitments, but uh, uh, I hope in a future opportunity, have another opportunity to, uh, uh, to join in. It looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, drop us a line, you know, let us know uh, if, if that's something you like, if you'd like to see us do that type of thing again. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, you know, if so, we'll try to find some interesting people and yeah, uh, yeah. maybe it was, do this. I actually enjoyed doing it. It was fun. Yeah, yeah it was. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Tommy, you know, we've, we've got this stuff here cluttering up the table. and Well, we got my radio here, and then we got those antennas and stuff. Yeah, but we're going to have to give all of this away. Yeah, all of it but the okay, radio, I'll, right? I'll yeah. take it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've, we've mentioned it in the past couple of episodes. We're doing an 8th anniversary contest here. November 15th show, we're going to give away these great prizes here. Let's talk a little bit about them. Uh, we've got the IC7100 here, which is a multiband all-mode transceiver. 
It's got touchscreen on it. It's D-Star equipped. It's got IFDSP, a built-in SD card slot for voice and data storage, uh, dual DSP chips for versatile digital processing performance, built-in RIDI decoder and demodulator, and voice recording and playback functions. You know, we, we did a smackdown between the 7000 yeah. and the 7100 recently. Yeah, and, and mine, that clearly won. Uh, no, it did not. <laughs> there was no clear winner. I, I know. It was a draw. Yeah, it was they're, a they're both great. <laughs> but uh, if you want to learn more about that, go over to icomamerica.com slash amateur and look at the video that we did comparing those two rigs. But this one's got to go, Tommy. Man, great. Yeah. Somebody's going to enjoy it. It's, Some, it's a great prize. Somebody's going to enjoy it. Tommy, why don't you tell them about this uh, nice screwdriver antenna here? Yeah, that's from Gigaparts and Diamond. It's a Diamond SD330 HF screwdriver mobile antenna. It handles 200 watts. It includes two whips, a short one for 7 to 50 megahertz and a longer one that covers 3.5 to 30 megahertz. This one has a PL259 style mount, but a 3824 is also available and there's a manual tuning controller. Yeah, it uh, comes with a little tuning controller here. Uh, just a toggle switch there for up and down. It's got a cigarette lighter plug on it so it's easy to connect. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but... You know, we're, we're going to take that a step further. Uh, Gigaparts is also throwing in a Turbo Tuner 2. And it's a plug-and-play with a variety of radios and screwdriver antenna brands and models. Uh, you just press the button on the radio and it tunes automatically to adjust for the lowest SWR on that frequency. Awesome. And uh, tuning is done at low power, but the tuner will handle full legal limit. So that's a, a great deal there. You know, I'm running a screwdriver antenna and a turbo tuner now that I picked up uh, when we were over at Huntsville. Mm-hmm. Man, I am loving it. No more getting out and changing that wander lead on my uh, oh, yeah. Outbacker. That's a hassle in the rain. It? Oh, boy. Just, you just keep going and go to any band you want to. So that, that's been great. Uh, tell us about this uh, dual band antenna here, Tommy. Yeah, that's a Diamond. It's from, also from Gigaparts and Diamond. And that's a Diamond NR770HA, 2-meter, 70-centimeter dual-band antenna. This one has a PL259 style mount as well, but an NMO mount is also available. It's a half-wave antenna with 2.15 dB gain on 2 meters and two 5.8 waves with 5.3 dBi gain on 70 centimeters. Uh, it handles 200 watts also. Yeah, it, you know, it's a, a single-piece whip here, so it's not, you know, uh, two sections joined together there. So mm-hmm. This is a little more rugged. Yeah, that's going to take, if you hit a tree limb with that, that's going to yeah. hold up. And it's also got this that you see on a lot of the diamond antennas. You can fold the whip over. Uh, that That's pretty nice. Yeah, that's nice if you're going to pull in the garage or something. Yeah, and it's available in black as well. You can get one that's uh, oh, cool. solid black. So a nice dual band antenna. And, of course, you're going to have to have some way to mount these to your mobile. So MFJ is going to throw in the winner's choice, any mount that you want. They've got a wide selection, including mag mounts, trunk or hatch lip mounts, mirror, rack or pipe mounts, and a lot more. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, then you're eligible to participate in the contest. Sorry we couldn't include more countries in this, but... At least we added our buddies up in the great white north this time around. Oh, yeah. 
And, and, and as things come about, come around, you know, maybe we can expand later. We're, we're trying, and, and this is our first step in that direction. Of course, if you looked at the picture on the website there, you might have noticed that nice Mustang on there. Well, we're throwing that in, too. It's a Matchbox Mustang here. And what if they have problems tuning their antenna, well, Tommy? Well, if you have too much SWR, we've got this fire truck available for you as well. Yeah. So uh, to learn more about the contest, and you need to register now because the entries will be closing soon, go to amateurlogic.tv slash contest and get all the details. Well, guys, anything else we need to wrap up the show with? It's been a great eighth anniversary here. Uh, we really appreciate everyone who watches and contributes to the show. Um, Absolutely. If it weren't for you guys watching, we sure wouldn't be still doing it. Right. And and the numbers keep growing, so so we're happy. Oh, yeah. Keep telling your buddies about it and, uh, you know, your mother, your brother, anybody that uh, you can get to watch. Yeah, actually tell them to come over here and register for the radio as well. Exactly. they got to be a licensed ham, though. But right. you can get all the details there on the website. Peter, any closing thoughts from down under? No, uh, you mentioned the numbers. Uh, I, I remember that you showed me some statistics recently where uh, one of our episodes, possibly even that uh, uh, the, the one that was mentioned earlier, uh, got up to, I think, a quarter of a million uh, views, which I was just blown away by. Yeah, you know, every now and then we'll just hit on a topic that a lot of non-hams would love to see as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we try to spread it around. We're primarily amateur radio, but technology as well, because yeah. hams mm -hmm. like technology. Absolutely. So it works out great. Tommy, any final closing thoughts from you? Yep, I think we've got uh, everything covered, and uh, it's been a good eight years, and see you guys next month, and we'll start working on the ninth year. Yeah. And uh, be sure to drop over to amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com and get your stylish Amateur Logic yep. t-shirt. Yep. Be the cool kid on the block. Yep. Cool kid at the ham fest. Yeah, and stop by the Amateur Logic Facebook group, the Amateur Logic Google Plus community. Uh, and Twitter. Twitter. At Amateur Logic. Mm -hmm. You can watch us on Roku, iTunes. We've also got the wiki that uh, Dan does for us at amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. Yeah. Oh, can I just quickly, uh, before before we go, just mention uh, my forthcoming presentation uh, at the NASA Asteroid Workshop. I'm particularly interested uh, uh, in showing this to you folks because my 12-year-old daughter, uh, Imogen, uh, helped, helped me edit it, which was a great effort from her. Okay, well, we'll look for that as soon as the government shutdown is over, Peter. Sounds like a lot of fun. Well, I hope it, I hope it does go over. <laughs> it, it, uh, otherwise, you guys could be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. They may, they may not be in amateurlogic.tv next week or next month <laughs> oh. if, uh, if the shutdown doesn't uh, get resolved. Yeah, we receive we're, no we're, government funding. We're not government funded. I, we'll still be right here. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> 73s. <laughs>
got a diamond SD33 uh, from Giga Parts and Diamond. We've got a diamond SD3300, 330. Three, 330. They've got a wide selection, mag mounts, trunk, or half <laughs> 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 They've got a wide selection of mouths. <laughs> no, we're not even drinking the wine. Oh no. Huh? He's back. The cat. The cat. The cat. The cat. Oh no. Roll I hope you're taping. <laughs> Come on. Push, 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 push. Excuse me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry about that. I had to let the moose in. <laughs> <laughs>